This is Terry Montesi, CEO of Trademark Property Company. Welcome to Trademark's podcast, Leaning In, where we look at the future of retail and mixed use and how we can lean into it while others are leaning out. This is part one of a two-part episode. Thanks for tuning in. This is Tommy Miller with Trademark Property Company. And today I'm going to be speaking with Mark Dixon, CEO of IWG, a leader in the global flexible office workspace market. Mark shares his journey of founding Regis and IWG, his perspective on the industry and the future of working in the office. He also talks about the challenges and opportunities in the office today and how IWG is responding. We also discuss the convergence of office, hospitality, and retail in mixed-use developments. Well, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. For those who aren't familiar with IWG and the flexible office workplace business, if you could take a moment and describe the services and products you offer and sort of the customer value proposition, that would be great. Thanks, Tommy. It's a, it's, it's a very simple customer proposition in the end. It just, what we do is we just make workplace convenient. So we're trying to bring fully furnished, fully IT-equipped workplaces to the workforce, wherever they may be. We think the most important thing in the, the world we're in at the moment and going forward will be how far do I have to go to go work? So the sort of products we're doing are you know, drop-in offices that you can go and use for the day, offices for small entrepreneurial teams where you can get together and work as a team, local workplace, so a workplace that you might have close to where you live that you go in four or five days a month or every day. So it's, it's all about convenience. You know, it's about trying to create a really great place to work in a really convenient place. There's a whole range of products, and they, the prices vary from like $10 a day to $100 a day, depending on what you take. So there's a whole price range as well. In the end, it's a convenient workplace used by individuals and corporations. You know, we've been doing this for quite a while and it's growing in popularity. How many locations and countries are you operating in today, Mark? We operate in 120 countries. We've just added Libya to the list and Togo in West Africa, 120 countries. Three and a half thousand buildings, and overall we're in more than a thousand cities. So it's a big spread. They're, they're they're in many many places. And how important is it to be global in your business? I think look, it's more important to be national and regional than it is global. I mean, many many more companies are looking for a national coverage or even a regional coverage. I mean, if you look at the United States as an example, it's a continent in its own right. And so a lot more companies will be looking for regional coverage than national coverage, and a few companies want global. But in the end, it's a really flexible platform. So people taking an office anywhere at all can go and use anywhere else in the network. It's all included. When we met, Mark, back in the mid-'90s, you were sort of the young upstart in the service office business. 
in the industry. I remember at the time, it's very fragmented. The customers were primarily small mom and pop business people who needed an image. They needed a professional office address, phone answering, places to have meetings. The industry has certainly matured a lot since then. And you seem to be in one of the leaders in that maturation process. If you could talk a little bit about how the business has evolved, that would be of great interest. Yeah, look, it's evolved. Sometimes I think slowly, but it seems to go fast and slow. So, you know, in the first 10 years, it went really quickly because I started it off in 1989 with a single center in Brussels in Belgium. We've grown it since then, adding more and more countries, more and more centers. But I think the the time of our fastest growth will be now because of the pandemic and the effects of the pandemic that sort of revolutionized the way people want to work and the way companies want to employ people and support their workforce. You know, it's completely changed. So it's been a very interesting road over 30 years, but I think the most interesting time is right in front of us now. You've learned a lot over 30 years. What have been the biggest challenges you've faced over time? And give us some insights and in how you've, you've overcome them over the years. Well, many, many challenges in 30 years. I mean, it, it's a lifetime if you think about it in business. So we've had everything from 9-11. We're unfortunately in one of the Twin Towers. That was a very difficult time for the company and for our the people that work with us and our customers that were in the building at the time to multiple recessions. You know, we operate in many countries, so dealing with recessions in Venezuela, in Argentina, European recessions, American recessions, global recessions. You know, you have to deal with everything the economy can throw at you. And clearly, we've had a period of terrorism, wars, and then the pandemic to over the past year or so has made things particularly difficult. And this past year, I would say, is probably the most difficult year that we've had to deal with. How we overcome it, there are some things you just can't overcome. You've just got to step over it and just plan better for next time. And there are some things, you know, we, we, we work very hard on risk management on, in everything that we do to try and prepare for the unexpected and those gaps in the road when, when they come. You know, there are some things you just can't prepare for and the ferocity of the effects of the pandemic. We were well prepared and we needed everything, but it's been a particularly difficult time. It's changed now and we're going to go from the worst of times to I think the best of times as more and more people turn to local working and hybrid working, more companies turn to it. But the thing I've learned is always to plan for the worst and then hope for better. I thought one of the most interesting things I learned about the business was even 20 years ago, a big part of your customer base was is Fortune 500 companies, multinationals, the biggest technology companies in the world, not just entrepreneurs and small businesses. What what are those companies see as a benefit to to the services you offer? That's a great question. I mean, look, it's more than 50% of our revenues come from larger corporates. 
and enterprise-wide deals. You know, in the past months, we have had a remarkable period where we've seen many more large corporations turning over to hybrid and flexible workers, so much so that we've signed up already nearly a million new members to the system, but we expect that to grow to 3 million in this quarter. And, you know, it's a huge number of people to use our global platform. And what's happening is more and more large companies, we've, we've always supported smaller companies, startups, entrepreneurial groups, but it's large companies that are really changing the way they think, changing the way they work, and moving to sort of emulate and copy how smaller, more nimble companies would uh, set up and operate. And they're moving en masse to a much more flexible workplace setup with less fixed offices in central places and more flexible use near where people live or near where they're going. So it's a completely new world. Yeah. And the, the last five years or so, you were the global leader and you faced a lot of new disruptive competition, WeWork, Industrious, Soho Club type concepts, Convene, and local co-working places. How has this new competition impacted the market? It seems like WeWork's rise and fall exposed some flaws in the business model, but all this competition seemed to emerge in the last five years or so. Again, it's an interesting point. I mean, why is the question? A lot of it emerged on the back of WeWork. I mean, look, the WeWork story, you know, you start up a business, you put a few billion in, and you IPO for 47 billion. That's an appealing story. That excites people. That gets people interested in the industry. So that is what led to a lot of investors and a lot of startups to get into the industry. But as you mentioned, the rise and then the fall, you know, in the reality, this is a business that is hard work. It's based on detail. It's based on risk management, a lot of boring stuff. There's a very high digital component, but in the end, it's about offering services every day and supporting workers at their desks and giving them a great day at work. That's what it's all about. It's not about how many billions you can invest. And in the end, you've got to have customers that are satisfied. And I think some of the startups, they just missed that. And they were trying to grow for growth's sake and not, not really focusing enough on what the customer wanted. So the flaws in the model, ultimately, I believe, were too much investment. There wasn't the discipline to actually open and operate workplaces that people wanted in the right place and do it well. So and I'm generalizing because a lot of people do it really well. And I think the other thing is there's a huge cost to getting a scale benefit. You need a lot of places to really start seeing the scale benefit. We, we opened up over many years to get the network we have today. It wasn't something that happened overnight. And it, you know, it just takes time. So you know, we wait to see what the future holds on this. But in the end, you have to be very disciplined in everything that you do if you want to make money from this business. Right. What do you think 
it differentiates IWG in the industry today from this new competition? And maybe you've spoke to it a little bit about the discipline and the the hard work, but what differentiates you in the business today? I think it's, look, we're not a single brand for a start. So IWG, we have nearly 20 brands. You know, we've got digital brands. We've got a women's brand, The Wing. Um, we've got a general brand, the club, Clubhouse for, for club operations. We've got HQ, Regis, Spaces, Signature, and a whole variety of, of brands that go from every price point to every type of building application. We generally partner with building owners. We've got something that they need that fits the budget or fits the type of building. So I think it's that's one differentiator. It's having all the brands. The second is then the lowest operating cost. Again, it's really important that one can operate these things very efficiently. I think many companies have spent too much on things other than the operation of the centre, so too much overhead. That also has held people back. So you've got to be efficient, you need the brands, and you need scale. Yeah, and on that point, it seemed like a lot of these new competitors, WeWork and the other the other ones, they focused on design and trying to create a cool gathering place. Didn't seem like in the end that they really designed these places properly, particularly to respond to a, the pandemic. But how important is design to the office workplace today? It seems like people are really gravitating to workplaces that are, have a cool factor, comfortable and great places to gather and collaborate, coffee bars, lounges, et cetera. I'm sure COVID has impacted the design of your business. I think it's always been like that. In the end, workers using offices are human beings who like to go to nice places. They're not different. They're not abnormal in wanting that. So I think it has changed in COVID. And I've come back to that. The office design is very, very important. Trying to create a sense of community, a beautiful place to work. You know, if you create lovely places to work, people will be more productive. They're happier. So it's super important. I think COVID has actually taken it one step further because if you want to get people out of their homes, they need to go to a workplace where it's a nice place to go. It's a great experience. Just as if you were a retailer, you know, to get people off ordering online, if you want them to come into the store itself, it's got to be a great experience as well as being convenient. Yeah. So I think experience is really important. Therefore, design is important. The people support, the technology support, all these things together are what make, make people get in their car and come along to the office. So, yeah, I'm going to do a great day at work there. I'm going to go there. Stepping back a little bit on the office industry in general, not just flexible workplace. People are really worried about the future of office with COVID and reductions and demand and tall 50-story buildings in midtown Manhattan being scary places to go. What do you see as the future of office overall? 
Well, I think Office has a great future, but it's going to change locations a bit in the next five years. So the best locations, the most expensive real estate may well be in Palm Beach or Palm Springs and not or Park Avenue because, you know, basically the realisation over the past year is you can work from anywhere. I mean, I know many people that have relocated from the northeast down to Florida because they said, I don't need to be near Boston or New York. I can do my work as effectively from Florida as I can from the city. But the city itself, in a way, I believe that over the next period, 10 years or so, cities are going to have to reinvent themselves again, and they've done it many times in the past. They have to become more affordable places to live so that more people live in the city as opposed to commuting into it. They have to become uh, places that are very conducive to work with good public transport. Everything's got to be reasonably priced. Everything's got to be local. If, you, if cities reinvent to that, they're great places to do business. I mean, it's a, it's a convenient melting pot and meeting place for everyone to come in. And that's the real reason for the city is to bring people together to collaborate. Everyone working from home, everyone needs to be brought together uh, quite regularly to imbibe the company spirit, to see the name over the door, because you can't do everything over Zoom, Teams, or the internet. You need those collaborations important. The city's are the best place for it, but they will change. COVID would have changed them forever. The danger, and really the enemy here, is commuting. I don't think young people or anyone enjoys commuting two hours a day from Connecticut to New York. I used to do it myself when I lived in Connecticut. Two hours every day. I had the choice, so I could go to one of our local offices, but I'd prefer to go there every day if I could. But I was going to the city for other things. So it's commuting, I think, will change most of all, because that's what people are trying to avoid. A lot of lost time there for personally and professionally. IWG has been a big part of the trademark portfolio. I think we have 10 or so and co-working centers or your types of centers are now becoming key anchors in retail and mixed-use places, even sometimes on the ground floor. And IWG was one of the first in the industry to open business centers and retail shopping places. How has been being located in those types of environments worked out for you as opposed to always being in a traditional office building? Look, the short answer is the proof is in the eating. You say that in England. I don't know if that translates yeah. to America. They've worked well. They're what people want. I mean, we can only be successful if our customers vote with their feet and walk in the front door. Now, Shopping centers are by definition put in convenient places, generally near where people live. They've got great car parking. They've got great amenities. And it's that mixed use that appeals to people and brings people in. You can create some really fantastic and convenient places to work. And that's, you know, that's what our job's about. It's if you build them, people come to them. You need to be committed. And you mentioned earlier about design, 
You need to make sure you put the right investment in. Our experience with shopping centres has has been that these are places that are very, very attractive to the local workforce who see that as being a good place to be. Yeah, it seems like it's not just co-working, but having office space in locations where the amenities and the mixed use is all right there within walking distance is becoming more and more important. I think that's potentially a a COVID issue as well, just making the experience much more convenient. It's sort of the nexus of convenience and experience. If I may, the real elephant in the room that sort of appears as COVID exits to the right is the environment. And what you're going to see more of, again, I predict, it's been going for a little while in Europe, is the 15-minute city. And this is where you're trying to get all the amenities that people live, workplaces, places where you can buy local produce, restaurants, shopping. You're trying to get it within 15 minutes of where people live. Now, a bit harder in some parts of America, but the concept is to try and reduce the the environmental footprint by doing things more locally because everything's there. It just... It's not organized in such a way to allow that. So I believe reduction in commuting, less centralized office buildings, and more people working from home and hybrid in local workplaces will have a serious impact on the environment and be a thing for good in the medium term. Oh, yeah. I've seen some ULI, Urban Lands Institute studies on some really interesting large, all-inclusive communities being built in in England, outside of London, where everything is put together in, in one place, designed with purpose. It's really interesting. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can hear the rest of the conversation. To learn more about Trademark, visit TrademarkProperty.com.